TKM Incorporated in Moss, Tennessee is a construction company that specializes in erosion control, seeding, and soil, hydro seeding, hydro mulch, minor excavation, and silt fence. They also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their business is keeping people safe, but their passion, their mission, is they wish that all men could be saved. TKM has adopted the nickname, The King's Men, because as they serve you, they also serve the King. If they could provide any of their services for you, please contact them at 931-243-3958. That is 931-243-3958. Or you can contact them on the net at tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. That is tkminc2001 at twlakes.net. TKM Incorporated is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor specializes in asphalt demolition, concrete finishing, and heavy hauling. This family-owned business is licensed in Alabama and Tennessee. You can contact them for any of your construction needs, 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660 or three W's and a dot sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. As a boy, and, and, and I mean as a boy, not, not a teenager, not a young man, but an absolute boy, maybe the age of eight, nine, or ten, several of the young men at the church that I went to were invited to, to participate in a series or, or a circuit where several of us would go to different congregations and we would deliver these little speeches in order to raise money, and the money that we raised would send Bibles to either Africa or China. Now, each of the boys participating in the program was assigned a topic or a passage, and, and we were supposed to take that topic or that passage and develop it into our speech. This was done so so that we'd, first of all, have some guidance. You didn't want to turn a bunch of kids that age loose and just talk about anything they wanted to. And not only would our presentations have some guidance, but they would have continuity in our discussions. And, and so these little lessons that we were preparing were probably, you know, five to seven minutes or less and there were probably three to five guys who would travel around. And then if we spoke at any church, then, you know, you'd get, you know, four or five of us doing a five to seven minute lesson. And, and it didn't really matter, you know, if your regular preacher was there or not. We would provide the full service or at least the full part of the speaking service. And I remember very clearly it was a snowy Sunday night. And we had driven in the dark to the E and Christine Church in Anniston, Alabama. Now, we, we drove up to this little uh, nondescript building with the sign, you know, Ian Christine, Church of Christ meets here. And we got out in the dark with the snowflakes falling. And snow is super rare in Anniston, Alabama. That may be what helps me remember this. But we walked inside this little church building and, and immediately understood that we were, we were visitors. You see, Ian Christine, Church of Christ, was historically an African-American church. Now, it's not that in Anniston, Alabama, the, the churches were segregated by racism or hate. There was good interaction and good fellowship between all the churches. But basically, the, the African-American churches and, and the traditionally Caucasian churches were separated by culture. 
And what I mean by culture is just simply the way they chose to worship. Our services would begin and end in, in an hour. Sometimes those churches would begin and end in an hour and a half or two hours, or kind of depending on when the evangelist decided he was through speaking. Uh, their, their song service was, was different. The people at Ian Christine sang songs at a different tempo. They sang songs at a livelier tempo. They added words that weren't in the lyrics, and they found notes that weren't in the hymnal. And, and at the pace at which they sang and the tempo with which they responded, I had never seen a song leader sweat before. And then it came time to pray. And, and one man got up to start the prayer, but, but everybody prayed. As the man directing the prayer would say things, he would be echoed. People would repeat his words. He was agreed with. He was reassured. There were lots of amens way before it was time to actually say amen and the prayer be through. There was, there was no shortage of yes, Lord. And as this man prayed, finally he brought the, 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 the prayer to a crescendo and to a conclusion. And he said, in Jesus' name, and the whole church said, and, and, and literally the whole church said, amen. You know, a, a hundred voices at the same time. And as a young man, you know, I had my head bowed and my hands folded. I opened my eyes and I looked sideways at Bobby Phillips. Is, is this really happening? Well, it finally felt time for the young men to present their lessons. And, and I stepped to the lectern. And, and as I stepped up to the lectern to speech, I had to be aided to the microphone by a straight back wooden chair. That's that's how small I was. That's how short I was. I had to stand on this wooden chair in, in order to place my Bible on the podium. I, I grabbed the microphone and I bent it down and adjusted it for my height. And then I began my lesson. And as I began my lesson, I instantly received encouragement with every sentence. I'd make a sentence and someone would say, preach. I'd finish a thought and someone would say, truth. I'd say something in the middle of it. Someone would agree, yes. Someone would say, you know, that's right. I even got a few amens. I had never had a responsive audience before. I don't know if it showed on my face, but it changed my rhythm. I was enjoying this. I had to pause to accommodate my helpers. And it wasn't really distracting and it wasn't really super loud. These people being, you know, very uh, in control and, and in, in order. But, but as I spoke and said things, you, you just hear these responses and it, and it wasn't loud or distracting. It was just kind of a comforting background noise. I, I got into the rhythm. I began to enjoy the fact that I was talking in a room where people were awake, people were paying attention, and people were letting me know that they were apparently in agreement with the things that I said. I'd say a few words, or I'd say a few sentences, and I'd pause dramatically and wait for the reaction. I would say something I was particularly proud of, and I would wait to see what the audience would say. And, and I got into this rhythm, and it was all going rather smoothly. And then I made a statement. And it was not particularly a profound statement, and it was probably not anything that had deep theological significance, but when the words came out of my mouth, this booming bass voice echoed from the back of the room and said, Say it again, little white preacher. It was stunning. I froze. I, I looked around. I looked down at my nose to see what I had just said, and because I'd never actually heard the voice of God before, and since at that moment I was indeed the only little white preacher saying anything, I looked at my notes and I said it again. <laughs> Every one of my preaching friends has a story like this. 
they have a pre a, a story about being in, in a different culture or using a translator or getting mixed up with a translator or having something interrupt their flow of thought. Everybody that I know that preaches or even speaks publicly, you don't even have to be a preacher, has had this kind of experience. Craig Evans tells a story about a preacher who decided to address the things that we have in our house, like media, um, maybe records and CDs and, and, and things like that. Maybe even it was in a time when you could talk about social media. But while this guy was delivering this lesson, according to Craig's story, he had at least one responsive member in, in the building. And so the preacher would say, there are things that have access to our homes that should not. And this gentleman in the back would say, you know, that's right. Hey, there are things that our children should not see. The gentleman in the back, preach it. There are things that our children should not hear. The guy in the back, tell the truth. We should go home tonight, and we should do an inventory of our children's CDs. We should look at our children's videos. We could look at our children's magazines. The guy in the back goes, well. And then the preacher said, and we should take these things out of their rooms. We should break them in half. We should destroy them and burn them in a bonfire. And the guy in the back yells, trouble in the house tonight. <laughs> I need this guy. I need both trouble in the house tonight, and I need, say it again, little white preacher, I need them in the back of my head all the time. I, I need a commentator on my thoughts. I, I need a commentator on my words. I need a commentator on my deeds. And I, I really would settle for having them there to look at my words, my thoughts, and my deeds before they got out rather than responding to them after they got out? What if as we started to speak, what if as we started to say, what if as we started to do, we had this voice that said, you know, that's not right. What if we had this voice that would look at the things that we intended to say to people and said, you know, you really don't want to repeat that. Or if we made a decision that we were going to make some kind of action, we had this voice in our head that said, I don't know about that. Or what if we made a decision to say or do and we had this voice that would endorse it and say, that's truth. What if as we made our decisions, we had this responsive audience and it wasn't made up of men with deep bass booming voices, but it was simply our morals and our standards and our values commenting with approval or disapproval, telling us that what we were about to speak was either truth or they were lies, telling us to repeat truth and silence the lies. There's, there's a passage in Scripture that, that says the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. What if we just had this filter, this commentator in the back of our mind that, that put it up against a criterion and said, this is good, this is right, this is true. If it wasn't good, right, and true, we, we shouldn't say it, we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't post it, we shouldn't think it, and we shouldn't repeat it. That may not be a booming bass voice, but we actually have that voice in our heads. It's called our conscience. But the interesting thing about our consciousness, it can be trained, and it can be turned up or it can be turned down. It can be turned on or it can be turned off. And the criterion for what it approves or endorses can be modified. It, it can be calibrated, and it can be recalibrated 
such that our words and thoughts and deeds have no filter or no governor, or it can be calibrated and recalibrated such that our words and our thoughts and our deeds actually have a governor or a filter. And really, we choose how we set it up, and we choose how responsive it is. We choose whether or not it responds to our words and our thoughts and our deeds. And and we do that simply with practice. Because if we become cavalier, we become callous. If we become complacent with how we check the words and the thoughts and the deeds that come out, then we can we can turn that conscious off and that voice can't be heard. That voice can be silenced. But we really can calibrate it such that we get to choose. We get to choose whether we speak love or hate. We get to, to speak words that unite or divide. We get to speak words that correct or condemn. We get to speak words that that corrupt or words that cleanse. You see, we have a voice in our head that tells us not to say it or not to do it. We have a voice in our head that tells us to go ahead and say it or go ahead and do it. And if properly trained and properly used and properly governed and properly modified, it becomes an internal locus of control. You, You see, the voice inside our head responds to my responses And it does not allow me to respond to other people outside my head. Because just because you're rude doesn't give me permission to be rude. Just because you're unkind doesn't give me permission to be unkind. Just because what you've done is wrong doesn't give me permission to attack you. You see, I get to make these choices about how I respond and what I say because of this audience in my head. And it's an internal locus of control. It's that that voice inside my head that, that says I'm responsive in my mind. And I look at the options, not what you said, not what you did, but I get to look at do I need to say it? Do I need not to say it or do I need to say it, but do I need to say it differently? You see, it's okay to talk about something that you're unhappy about, but it needs to be a positive request to have your needs met. And so when I say things that, that I I want to change or that I want things to be different, I can attack the person or attack the problem. Uh, I had a friend one time, he had this prop that he made for his magic show. It was called the Pop-Up Book of Phobias. <laughs> you think about that. You've got a book of phobias and when you open them, they pop up. He said, what could possibly go wrong? Well, what could possibly go wrong? I'm, I'm self-employed and I like to deer hunt. And my boss is easy to convince that I don't need to go into work that day, or I need to go into work late so I can be in the woods before daylight, and I can be in the woods till after dark. And let's suppose my wife decides that she's unhappy with this situation. Well, she's got the, the, the moderator, she's got the commentator inside her head, and she can choose whether she says, you're never home, or whether she chooses to say, I wish we spent more time together. You see, when, when we decide that we're going to complain about something, that little voice in our head that says truth or amen or say it again, it gets to decide whether we attack the problem or attack the person. It gets to decide whether or not we're saying things as a positive request to have our needs met or as a way to attack and control and shame and manipulate the other person. You see, we've got this voice in our head, and it can indeed make comments on the things that we say and the things that we do. 
And if we let that internal locus of control, if we let that voice in the back of our head echo and commentate on the things that we're about to say and the things that we're about to think and the things that we're about to do, if we let those control us rather than letting our emotions control us, if we use this voice to practice self-control, then there are things that we will repeat. I love you. I'm proud of you. I value you. I wish this was better. There'll be things that we choose not to ever repeat. Things that cause bitterness or bitterness or wrath or anger or strife or shame. And it may be that we look at that something that we're about to say and something we're about to do, and that little voice warns us, if you say it that way or if you do it that way, there'll be trouble in the house tonight. It would be good if we had a voice in our head that we listened to, and that when we listened to it, it changed the way we said things. It not only changed what we said, but how we said it, and not what we said, but why we said it. And then when those things are properly in place, there'll be no trouble in the house tonight. And it'd be safe for us to say it again and say it again often. Using the tool of shortwave radio, World Christian Broadcasting literally covers the world every day with the gospel. They use two large curtain antennas. One is located in Anchor Point, Alaska, and the other in Madagascar. They send out messages that are recorded at their international home in Franklin, Tennessee. They make available 40 hours of broadcast every day. The broadcasts are made in English, Chinese, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, English for Africa, and Arabic. They would love for your group to visit them You can bring your ladies' group, your youth group, or your men's group. Just give them a call at 615-371-8707, 615-371-8707. Or you can go to three W's and a dot, worldchristian.org, find the Donate Here button, and make a financial contribution to support this work that literally covers the world every day with the gospel. World Christian Broadcasting in cooperation with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the Youth Ministry Book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive Spiritual Development, A Christ-Centered Approach to Spiritual Self-Esteem. Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space, a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense. If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones. And then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with uh, rope tricks and knots. Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550 Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, 
subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. Thank you.